What? College matters. What? College, college matters. matters. Really? For sure. College matters. Alma, Alma matters. matters. My sophomore year where it snowed on campus and, you know, the entire campus was was coated in, uh, you know, a couple inches of snow and uh, a massive, uh, you know, campus-wide snowball fight broke <laughs> out. And, uh, um, and, and it was just one of those moments that you thought of, you know, okay, we're, we're just all one community. It was really fun. Um, you know, you were throwing snowballs at people. You had no idea who they were. <laughs> Sanjeet Rangarajan is a graduate of Vanderbilt University with a bachelor's degree in biomedical engineering. Sanjeet grew up in the Detroit area, loving math and science, specifically biology. He also developed a love for engineering while participating in the robotics competitions. When time came to choose a college, he was drawn to Vanderbilt because the med school was also on campus. You see, somewhere at the back of his mind, he felt some interest in pursuing medicine after undergrad. Sanjeet picked biomedical engineering as his major and he ran with it. To tell us all about it, Sanjeet joins us on our podcast today and share his Vanderbilt story. Now, before we jump into the podcast, here are the high fives, five highlights from the podcast. Graduated in 2005 with a bachelor's in uh, uh, biomedical engineering, and then I actually stayed for two more additional years and uh, earned my master's degree there. So I have a little bit of a perspective of both the you know undergraduate and the graduate school experience. Uh, so so that's how Vanderbilt came on the radar. Um, but you know, it really took visiting campus. Um, you know, first of all, I had never been to Nashville, Tennessee before, sure, sure. and uh, and and just being on campus, uh, you know, just gave you the feeling um, that Vanderbilt was a strong community. Um, I did I did like that there was a uh, medical center connected to campus because I was you know had some initial interest in the biomedical sciences. And so I did develop a connection with certain professors. Certainly that was part of my decision to actually stay for a graduate degree. Um, you know, I developed an interest in uh, tissue engineering and uh, there was a professor who uh, had similar research interests. And so that, you know, transitioned into, you know, an extension at my time of my time at Vanderbilt. And others. So, you know, again, Model UN is a great example of that. It was something I was involved with in high school. I enjoyed, I wanted to be part of that at, you know, in college, I wanted to offer, you know, that experience to, you know, high school students in the Nashville and Tennessee area. And so, you know, we just approached the chancellor, who at the time was Gordon Gee, who's now the president at the University of West mm -hmm. Virginia. And, uh, and we just went to him and said, hey, we want to we want to start this. And this is what we think is in it for the university. And uh, so they gave us money to do it. And, um, you know, that that organization, I think, uh, you know, still exists today. You know, everybody creates their own path. There's no wrong path. There's no wrong university. And, you know, even though Vanderbilt was an amazing place and it was a great place for me and I'm so thankful I got to go there. If I didn't get into Vanderbilt and I'd, you know, gone somewhere else, I think 
you know, you can make your own opportunities and um, you can, you can make things work for you. Um, so I think everybody has that power and it's important to remember that. Now, I'm sure you want to hear the entire podcast with Sanjeet. So without further ado, over to Sanjeet Rangarajan. So Sanjeet, first of all, let me welcome you to our podcast, College Matters, Alma Matters. Um, thank you so much for making the time on a Saturday. Yeah, of course. No, happy to happy to talk about Vanderbilt. Of course. Um, so as I was telling you the other day, we are uh, catering to an audience of international students um, who are hopefully looking to find a school uh, somewhere in the U.S. or maybe maybe around the world. And I think these kind of um, podcasts are beneficial from a point of view of you know. Uh, sharing some experiences about college, what it means to be there, how you get there, and what happens after that. So sure. looking forward to this conversation. Of course. Very well. So um, maybe the best place to start is um, maybe give us some overall impressions of Vanderbilt, your undergraduate experience there. I know it's been a few years, but nonetheless, I'm sure those memories are pretty vivid. Yeah, of course. So um, I started at Vanderbilt in 2001, which uh, was 20 years ago now. So it was quite a long time. And I uh, graduated in 2005 with a bachelor's in uh, uh, biomedical engineering. And then I actually stayed for two more additional years and uh, earned my master's degree there. So I have a little bit of a perspective of both the you know undergraduate and the graduate school experience and Mm-hmm. how those, uh, you know, are somewhat related. And so, uh, um, you know, Vanderbilt at the time was just starting to emerge on the national and international stage. Um, you know, throughout the 90s, Vanderbilt was best known as a uh, private, medium-sized school in the South um, mm-hmm. that uh, had a high proportion of uh, you know, undergraduate students from the United States uh, from the southeastern United States specifically, and uh, around you know 1999, 2000, when I was starting to look at colleges, um, Vanderbilt was one of the few uh, that stuck out to me because I was looking for a medium-sized institution. So um, you know, I knew I didn't, I didn't think that a private small liberal arts uh, school would be uh, for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And and likewise, you know, I grew up in uh, metropolitan Detroit, uh, where the University of Michigan, which is, you know, large public, uh, you know, undergraduate, graduate and professional school was just 45 minutes away. And so I was familiar with a large institution as well, and didn't quite think that would be for me either. So Vanderbilt is on a, you know, somewhat short list of, um, competitive institutions of a medium size that has both, you know, undergraduate, graduate, professional schools, um, and was in a big city. And so those are some of the things I was looking for. And there's a couple of schools that meet that criteria. Um, So that's how Vanderbilt, you know, got my attention. Um, Mm -hmm. And, uh, and I think, you know, some of the initial interest was cemented by early trips to campus in the United States. It's, you know, well, in the pre-pandemic times, it would be customary to, you know, go on college visits. And I think, you know, that's one of the great things about this podcast. In some ways, it's putting together perspectives and memories that, you know, may be able to recreate some of that when 
we're in a time when travel is not easy, but visiting campus and, um, you know, getting to know students and faculty and uh, just understanding what it felt like to be on campus was one of the things that further cemented that, uh, that early interest. So um, you mentioned Vanderbilt, and so I just wanted to know, um, and plus you said you had a cluster of colleges that you were looking at uh, mm -hmm. in high school. Um, how mm -hmm. did you end up picking Vanderbilt? Great. So, yeah, so like, uh, you know, like I said, I grew up in uh, metropolitan Detroit, uh, so it's in the Midwest. And so, uh, you know, we're lucky to have several um, uh, public and private institutions uh, that generate a lot of interest amongst high school students. And my initial interest was actually in Northwestern University, which was a, uh, again, medium-sized uh, school mm -hmm. close to a big, big city with, um, uh, you know, about less than 10,000 undergraduates with uh, undergraduate, graduate, and professional schools. And uh, so my initial interest was there, and um, it was only in the course of researching Northwestern that schools like Vanderbilt and uh, Carnegie Mellon and, you know, Case Western and some of these other kind of medium-sized schools that were not as quite as big as the, you know, large public institutions. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, so, so that's how Vanderbilt came on the radar. Um, but, you know, it really took visiting campus. Um, you know, first of all, I had never been to Nashville, Tennessee before. Sure, sure. And, uh, and, and just being on campus, uh, you know, just gave you the feeling um, that Vanderbilt was a strong community. Um, I did, I did like that there was a uh, medical center connected to campus because I was, you know, had some initial interest in the biomedical sciences mm -hmm. as a high school student. Mm -hmm. And so, um, you know, compared with uh, Northwestern, where the, uh, you know, medical school is downtown Chicago versus in, you know, where the undergraduate is in suburban Evanston, Illinois, mm -hmm. uh, you know, Vanderbilt had everything on one kind of, you know, set of city blocks, right in the middle of a, you know, large American city. Mm -hmm. And um, it really was a feeling uh, that I got. Obviously, you know, the campus is beautiful. It's a national arboretum. And you don't quite appreciate these things as a high school student, uh, or maybe there's a lucky few that will, but I certainly didn't. Uh -huh. But it all kind of translated into this just feeling that, uh, you know, this is a institution that has a tight knit community, but also has the advantages and the global reach of a large, you know, powerful research institution. Um, and so, and, and that was something that I felt like was uh, fairly, uh, fairly unique. And uh, so it was only after I visited Vanderbilt, um, uh, the, the recruitment process at Vanderbilt is also, you know, very, uh, very inclusive. They get you excited about the school. I think, you know, 20 years later, we're in an era where, you know, we have easy access to the web and social media and YouTube. And so I think high school students are able to get an even more, you know, colorful and complete perspective of, you know, wherever they're looking to go to college. But in those early days, um, if we can call them that, yeah. uh, you know, Vanderbilt was very effective at, uh, at showing its strengths as a, you know, strong community. And so that was one of the things that zeroed in and you know, some of the college visits cemented that. Um, I'll also add that Vanderbilt, uh, despite being a very wealthy institution, is very, um, was and continues to be very generous uh, with respect to financial aid and mm -hmm. scholarship opportunities. Um, you know, I think that private institutions, um, 
in the United States have really done a much better job over the last 20 years in making sure that uh, um, college is affordable for those who can't afford it. Uh, I think that's really important. And, you know, Vanderbilt was quite effective, at, you know, at that even in 2001. So, so now um, let's talk a little bit about your high school interests. You mentioned some early interest in biomedical um, mm-hmm. Give us a picture of what you were as a high schooler with interest. What kind of interest did you have? Yeah, so, you know, in high school, I had a natural interest, I think, in, you know, math and science. I think, uh, you know, I went to a uh, a private independent uh, high school in Metro Detroit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and uh, my high school was really, again, very effective at encouraging its students to, you know, be interested in, you know, whatever it may be, whether it was the arts or, or, or science or engineering. And so I was able to explore some early, you know, interests, uh, you know, certainly biology through classes, but I also developed an early interest in engineering as well and was involved in a uh, uh, academic robotics competition mm-hmm. and, uh, uh, you know, some things like that. I also was part of the Model United Nations as a high school student, which mm-hmm. actually, you know, the travel that comes with that traveling to other, uh, you know, colleges and universities as a high school student uh, to compete in these model United Nations uh, competitions, um, you get early again, exposure to, you know, other universities and you get to learn about things like that. I was also part of the tennis team Mm -hmm. in my high school and, uh, you know, was quite involved with uh, that. But uh, um, yeah, I think I was a pretty typical, I think, well, hopefully well-rounded high school student. No, sounds sounds like it. Sounds like it. Let's sort of move forward then. Um, so you decide to go to Vanderbilt, and how is that transition from high school to college, from Detroit to Nashville? Um, so how how's, how does that? How did all that shape up? You know, I think overall pretty well. I think you know I grew up. Uh, you know, again, you know, I spent most of my life uh, in Detroit until I moved away to college. And so I think for anyone who's, you know, moving away from home, um, whether it's 45 minutes away or eight hours away or, you know, half the globe away, there's a certain amount of adjustment and, uh, um, you know, developing new understandings that come with that. And but I think Vanderbilt made it really easy um, you know, certainly some of the uh, specifics have changed, but, you know, back then you were matched with a, an upper class uh, mentor who would, you know, kind of check in with you in the you know, first couple of weeks of college. Um, mm-hmm. uh, the, the school puts together a, a huge university wide effort that uh, um, a move crew, so to speak, uh, called Viewcept. And um, you know, you have all these upperclassmen and faculty helping, you know, you literally move boxes from your car to, you know, your new dorm room. And it's a, really an all hands on deck kind of uh, <laughs> kind of enterprise. Mm-hmm. And, and you feel very welcomed. And I remember, you know, our first week of college orientation was really spent on, you know, welcoming everyone to Vanderbilt, welcoming everyone to Nashville. You know, one of the storied institutions in Nashville, Tennessee. Grand Ole Opry, which is, you know, some people call it the birthplace of country music. Yeah. Uh, and uh, they took us to the Grand Ole Opry and uh, several, you know, pretty famous um, Grand Ole Opry uh, singers and artists came and played for us. And 
Um, it was a really cool introduction to a city that, you know, honestly, I didn't know that much about. And I would argue that I don't think most of the country in the world knew as much about Nashville at that time, unless you were very into country music. It was only after the, the television show Nashville uh -huh. and a lot of the real estate and business development that took place in the city, you know, in the later, um, you know, 2007, 2008, where, you know, it was really on the map. So when I first arrived, I didn't learn, know much about Nashville. And I think Vanderbilt did a great job of kind of introducing us um, uh, to the city. But, uh, but I lived in a, um, I lived in a dorm, which actually no longer exists. Mm -hmm. It was uh, demolished uh, several years ago and replaced with some very beautiful residential colleges, which we can talk mm -hmm. about. But I lived in a dorm that was uh, all single dorms, actually. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, no roommates in my dorm, which, you know, many people think of colleges, you know, that's the first time you live with somebody else. And that's almost a rite of passage. And uh, so initially, I had some you know, concerns about, oh, well, I'm going to be in a room with all singles, uh, single dorms. Is it going to be, you know, antisocial? <laughs> Am I going to have trouble making friends? You know, like, uh, and I, that apprehension uh, went away immediately because it was, it was amazing. It was, you know, even though everyone had their own room, it was a really everybody's door open kind of mm -hmm. place. Um, you know, it was very easy to get to know uh, people and make good friends. In fact, my next door, uh, the, the person who lived right next door to me, um, literally on the other side of the wall, became one of my closest friends. And uh, I'm actually going to hang out with him tomorrow. And so, uh, you know, that was 20 years ago. And uh, um, so I was able to make, you know, really good friends. And I found that, you know, Vanderbilt really tried to create a welcoming environment, no matter where anybody was coming from, whether it was the United States or whether it was from abroad and, you know, whether or not someone, you know, you know, spoke English very well, or, you know, had had experience in the United States. I mean, it was a very welcoming place. Um, and that was apparent very early on to me. Hmm. How was the academic transition? Did you feel well prepared for the program there? So I think, you know, Vanderbilt, like most universities, does a certain amount of, um, uh, kind of work on placement early on, you know, so, you know, they take your high school transcript and, you know, look at your, you know, AP courses. And, uh, you know, while AP credit doesn't necessarily count towards, you know, graduation credit these days, um, they would place you in appropriate classes based on your previous experience. Uh, and you have an academic advisor early on. Um, Back then, uh, you were placed into an advising system based on a major of your selection. Mm -hmm. So mine was biomedical engineering. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you could change advisors, change majors. I mean, all of that was, you know, quite easy. So you had an academic advisor. Um, you know, it's certainly a little bit different when you show up to classes that might have, you know, 100, per 100 people in them, 200 people in them, like a large chemistry lecture, you know, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Very different from the independent high school where the class size was maybe, you know, 15 to 20 at the most. Mm -hmm. um, uh, with that said, I felt that even at that time, there were plenty of resources, um, you know, certainly you know, upperclassmen were helpful, advising could be helpful, but, you know, we also helped each other and figured things out together because, you know, everybody that's a freshman in, in high school is somewhat in the same boat, you know, some may have more experience or, you know, more skills in a certain area, but everybody's trying to figure out how to move from, you know, the high school model where you're in class every, uh, every day from, 
you know, maybe nine to three thirty to a system where you may be only in a single class, you know, one, three times a week. And, you know, how do you, how do you manage the rest of your day? Sure. Right. It seems like there's a lot of free time. And uh, um, so there's resources that are available. Um, I found the transition to be, you know, pretty easy. I think my, my high school was fairly rigorous and competitive. And so I don't, I didn't, I don't feel like I felt lost uh, at the time, but um, but the resources were there in case you know in case they were needed. Hmm. How, what did you think of your uh, peers and classmates? You you mentioned a great friendship next door. Uh, how were the rest of the gang? Yeah, so um, you know, people, especially you know, I got to know my biomedical engineering classmates very well, uh, you know, because we were together for four years, um, and many of them I still keep in touch with. Um, I found Vanderbilt to be an environment that was, uh, you know, competitive in the sense of everybody wanted to do to do well. Um, everyone came from a you know fairly high achieving background. You know, people had you know plans or at least plans that they you know, even if they changed later on, people thought that they wanted to do certain things. And so everybody had a certain amount of mm -hmm. focus. With that said, it was a very collaborative environment. And I really do credit Vanderbilt with creating that environment. Mm -hmm. There was not a lot of emphasis placed on competition with mm -hmm. each other, but there was a lot of emphasis placed on working together as a group, particularly in engineering, which, you know, is a field that relies on collaboration mm -hmm. and, and cooperation. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that, you know, that was the mindset of the faculty. That was the mindset that was, you know, transferred to the students. I think Vanderbilt really, when they are building their class, you know, they are handpicking people who have demonstrated some achievement in service and collaboration. Um, you know, certainly individual achievement is important, I think, uh, you know, to a certain extent. But um, I think that Vanderbilt as an institution really values people who have shown that desire to be community driven and, and, and collaborative. And, and so I think that, uh, you know, that that stayed true and that helped me create great friendships with, uh, you know, my classmates. And, you know, certainly I met people through uh, I played club tennis at Vanderbilt. Mm -hmm. I was involved in a series of other extracurricular activities. Again, I rejoined the Model United. Actually, I helped start Model United Nations at Vanderbilt. I noticed one of your other podcast guests was uh, someone who participated in that at Vanderbilt. Yeah. And uh, I actually was one of the first uh, couple people who started that uh, that club at Vanderbilt. And that was a you know great experience as well. Um and, uh, you know, I was involved in a series of other extracurriculars, so I had a kind of a wide group of friends and uh, really felt, um, you know, there wasn't a single day while I was while I was at Vanderbilt that wasn't, uh, you know, fun and a learning experience. What did you think of the professors? Um, were they approachable, uh, et cetera? Yeah, I think, you know, I think Vanderbilt is probably like, most institutions um, in that there, you are going to find that, uh, you know, all the professors are approachable. I never found any that wouldn't uh, be available in office hours or wouldn't an answer emails and things like that. But naturally, I think every college student, you know, especially as you get uh, further along, um, you know, as you get towards your junior and senior year where you're working on more and more specific things or trying to achieve certain goals, you gravitate towards certain professors who either have shared interests or 
um, you know, kind of a, uh, uh, you know, shared, uh, you know, uh, how do I want to say it? I mean, you just get along with some certain sure, professors sure, better, sure. you know, you just, you just develop a connection. And, uh, um, and so I did develop a connection with certain professors. Certainly that was part of my decision to actually stay for a graduate degree. Um, you know, I developed an interest in, uh, tissue engineering and, uh, there was a professor who uh, had similar research interests. And so that, you know, transitioned into, you know, an extension at my time of my time at Vanderbilt. Um, and, uh, um, but I found the professors to be, you know, passionate about what they were teaching. And, um, you know, I, I certainly had no issues while I was there with any of them. Let's sort of move over to the campus then. Um, you mentioned your dorm, uh, single dorms. Um, mm-hmm. Maybe we can talk a little bit about uh, the campus life, the activities, the organizations. What was that like? Yeah, sure. So um, it's a very vibrant campus mm-hmm. life. Um, I'll say that again, at that time, you know, Nashville had not undergone its growth spurt, so to speak. And so I think there was a much larger emphasis and attention placed on campus life, meaning that, you know, we spent, you know, four years in what was called the Vander bubble, <laughs> you know, we went out outside into the city some, but not nearly as much as students do now, because, you know, Nashville has so much to offer in the way of dining and entertainment and sports and all these other things. And so I think, you know, from a certain perspective, campus life and Nashville life is even better now than it was then. But at the time, um, you know, again, it was a very inclusive campus in that there was something for everybody. And if if you were looking for something specific and it didn't exist, um, the, the school was very supportive of helping you create that opportunity for yourself and others. So, you know, again, Model UN is a great example of that. It was something I was involved with in high school. I enjoyed. I wanted to be part of that, you know, in college. I wanted to offer, you know, that experience to you know, high school students in the Nashville and Tennessee area. And so, you know, we just approached the chancellor who at the time was Gordon Gee, who's now the president at the University of West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and we just went to him and said, hey, we want to we want to start this. And this is what we think is in it for the university. And uh, so they gave us money to do it. And, um, you know, that that organization, I think, uh, you know, still exists today. Um, and so, but campus life, you know, again, like I said, was very vibrant. Um, you know, p- students are expected to live on campus. Um, so um, there's a residential college system mm-hmm. now. Again, this didn't exist when I was there. But, you know, this is modeled after the residential college system that, you know, is uh, has been at the Ivy League institutions for, for some time now. And so everybody's expected to live on campus. In fact, some of the faculty live on campus in close proximity to the students as well. So there's this kind of living, learning, collaborative environment, uh, um, you know, very, I think, I think, you know, that's generally the, the direction that most universities are heading in. And so, you know, students eat together on campus. Uh, obviously, now you can travel off campus to eat as well, but um, uh, tons of clubs, uh, lots of really cool speakers that they would invite to, you know, again, spurn discussion 
uh, or you know, in, increased discussion sure. among students and faculty. So we, you know, we had Condoleezza Rice who came, Al Gore, you know, so many different you know politicians and speakers and thinkers and uh, you know all sorts of folks. And so you got the impression that there was always something going on. And you know, it wasn't always just academic. I mean, one of the big um, uh, celebrations or parties uh, on campus is something called Rites of Spring, which was essentially a few day outdoor music festival where, you know, the university would bring in artists, uh, um, you know, current artists to come and, you know, play a big concert on campus. That was something we looked forward to every spring. Um, you know, they always made it easy for us to, uh, you know, have easy access to entertainment and, you know, also enrichment of the mind as well. The fact that there's a law school, a business school, a medical school, a divinity school, all of these graduate institutions also bring their own set of, you know, speakers and, and lectures and, and workshops and things like that. So no matter what anyone's experience, uh, what, what anyone's interest was, um, they could always find something going on. And, and likewise, I mean, the social, the social life was also, you know, great. Um, you know, people who, you know, like to be busy all the time, have a lot of friends, um, you know, go to parties, all those things. I mean, those are all, those were all, you know, present and available and, and folks who like to have a smaller group of friends, you know, a more tight knit group, you know, go out to dinner on the weekends. And, you know, that, that was also okay too, and, 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 and plentiful and uh, available as well. So I thought maybe we can now seg into uh, the summers um, during those mm -hmm. college years, at least your undergraduate years, um, what sure. kind of things did you do? And was, you know, did you have a sort of a plan in mind or were you just sort of going with the flow? So, you know, again, this was my first time living away from home. Um, you know, I'm an only child. I don't have any brothers and sisters. My parents lived back, back home in yeah. Detroit. Yeah, Can yeah, you hear absolutely, me? Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Great. Um, and uh, so I, you know, the first couple of years, I was, um, you know, pretty focused on going back to Detroit for the uh, for the summer. Um, with that said, you know, I I think most students find something to do, whether it's you know academic or a job. And you know, I chose to uh, get a job over the summer actually. And so again, I was an engineering major, and um, you know, my hope was that I could get an you know, some type of engineering internship for the summer. And if not, I was prepared to, you know, go back to one of my high school jobs. I worked, uh, you know, at the mall in retail sure. and, you know, did a series of odd jobs and those types of things. Uh, but uh, I was lucky to uh, get a job at, um, well, the name of the company has undergone several changes. It was Daimler Chrysler sure. back then, which, uh, you know, is one of the big uh, yeah. three automotive yeah. companies. And now it's, uh, you know, Stellantis, but, uh, um, I did an engineering internship there, actually, the summers between my freshman and sophomore year, my sophomore and junior year, and then again, between my junior and senior year, because um, I found that uh, it was an opportunity to flex my engineering muscle or what I had learned in school over the previous year. Um, it was certainly a you know, great way to make a little bit of extra money to help pay for tuition and travel and things like that. Um, but more than that, I mean, you know, I realized through my summer jobs working in the automotive industry that, uh, you know, engineering was much more than, 
the math and the and the science and the uh you know the problem sets and everything mm -hmm. like that it was about again that collaborative environment of working in teams and you know trying to solve problems and so you know i i spent every day as an engineering intern working in you know small teams at an automobile company and uh you know we designed a couple of things and um and it was a great experience and you know, so when I would come back to Vanderbilt, um, you know, I always felt like I had a little bit, a li little bit more perspective of what engineering was like outside of the classroom as well. Um, that was just my decision. You know, again, it was a way to uh, be at home closer to my family, but also a way to make a little bit of money and learn something. Um, with that said, there was, you know, plenty of op other opportunities that were available that, you know, I chose not to take. And so, you know, some students would you know, take that opportunity to do a study abroad mm -hmm. uh, over the summer, because in engineering school, it's a little bit tougher to do a study sure. abroad semester sometimes than, uh, you know, in, uh, you know, in arts and sciences major, just because, you know, engineering classes have to be taught in English, uh, typically in order for them to, you know, for to count for us. And so in any case, that was a great opportunity for some to travel abroad. Um, you know, people who are interested in research could stay on campus and, uh, you know, work in a research lab. There were opportunities there. Um, you know, obviously, Nashville has expanded considerably and diversified in the businesses and industry that are available there. So, you know, students um, even today will will get internships locally um, as well. And uh, so that's what I did. But but my my classmates and my friends um, did a, a whole assortment of other things as well. Sure. Sure. So that sort of leads me to my next question. Um, I mean, obviously, you spent the summers um, in the automotive industry, but uh, I think your interest and ultimately your major was in biomedical engineering. So maybe a little bit about how that interest in biomedical uh, happened or where it came from. And uh, sure. obviously, it's taken you quite far from there. Sure. So as I mentioned, you know, in high school, I just had a predilection to, towards the biological sciences, despite doing, you know, um, despite my summer jobs in the auto automotive industry, I always enjoyed biology and the life sciences. And, um, you know, when I arrived at Vanderbilt, like I mentioned, you, you pick a major. And so I picked biomedical engineering and many people switch mm -hmm. out. But I really, I really enjoyed it. Um, I felt like it was a, you know, quote, current field and mm -hmm. that, um, you know, a lot of the, um, a lot of the advances and excitement in science has been in the biological sciences and biomedical engineering uh, over the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And so, you know, I thought it was something that was, you know, current and exciting. And so, uh, you know, that was the, to be honest, the initial interest, there was no aha moment. It was just something that I tried out and, uh, you know, started to really enjoy. And I took a class in systems physiology at Vanderbilt, which was really one of the first more, medical type mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. classes, you know, you know, biomedical engineering is really an assortment of mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, it's a lot of things kind of put together. Um, but when I took that systems physiology course, which was really an understanding of how the body works from an engineering perspective, mm -hmm. that's really what cemented my interest in the biomedical sciences. And so, you know, the automotive industry, again, I think engineering, no matter what type of engineering you do, again, it's, you know, again, like I said, it's those 
collaborative moments. It's working in teams, you know, things like that. That's, that's what's important less, you know, so the academic training. Um, but as I, as I went through my undergraduate years, again, I, you know, I took that systems physiology course and then I started to be, uh, work a little bit more closely with the medical center. Um, every student does a senior design project within the biomedical engineering, uh, course at, uh, as a senior, mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. before you graduate. And so that links engineering students up with, um, you know, professors and physicians in the medical center and together, you know, you try to work to, to solve a real world problem, uh, you know, create a product over the course of two semesters uh, in your final year. And that experience, uh, working with a couple of other students and, uh, and a, and a physician, that's what actually started making me think that, you know, maybe, you know, maybe there's a way to continue my interest in engineering, but, uh, you know, in terms of an ultimate career decision, maybe I can start to, maybe, maybe being a physician would be something that would be better suited to me because while I really enjoyed the problem solving that came with, um, engineering, what I felt like I lacked was really that connection with whomever was benefiting from those, uh, from that work and from those, you know, products that we would create. And so, you know, as I became closer with the medical center and being more exposed to patients and, uh, uh, and, you know, people, um, that's what started to make me think that maybe I should pursue medical school. But, um, you know, I did it in a way where I would never really lose my kind of engineering edge or my engineering interest. And so I continue to use those skills today. Hmm. You know, I noticed that, uh, and as you mentioned, you did go on to do a master's program in engineering. So if this, um, did you just defer your um, medical program? You decided that you'd spend a couple more years in biomedical uh, studying more or I mean I just wanted to kind of understand your interest in doing yeah. that versus sort of jumping right into medicine sure it's a great question so you know in the initial years at Vanderbilt again I was focused on getting an engineering job I mean that was part of the decision with to you know do an automotive intern internship or do some type of engineering internship in the summers instead of doing you know biomedical research or shadowing in a physician's office I mean I wasn't really thinking about medical school until I was a senior in college, mm -hmm. which anyone, anyone who pursues medicine knows that you, it's very difficult to just decide as a senior in college that you're going to go to medical All school right. next year. There's, you know, certainly the MCAT to think about, and, you know, there may be some other prerequisites, but also, you know, there's a amount, there's a certain amount of work that you have to put in, uh, you know, shadowing research to, you know, be able to convince a medical school admissions committee that you want to be a physician. And so um, since I was only starting to make those kind of realize, come to those realizations as a senior in college, um, you know, I knew that I, I needed time to do some of those things. Mm -hmm. um, likewise, I did have an interest in tissue engineering, which, you know, and regenerative medicine, mm -hmm. which is a bio, it's a sector of biomedical engineering, but also has, um, uh, a very uh, a clinical application. So, you know, it's much more relevant to patients. Mm -hmm. And, and so, so I had this interest in tissue engineering, I knew I needed to, you know, do something for at least a year in order to get a medical school application together. And then at the same time, 
Um, I knew that, uh, you know, I loved Vanderbilt. I wanted to stay, you know, I, I could have seen myself staying there forever. And uh, um, I also wanted to do something that was funded, um, meaning sure. that, you know, I didn't want to have to pay to go to graduate school, um, you know, to just to, you know, get my application together. And so, so staying to get a master of engineering and uh, staying for two years um, really offered me the opportunity to, you know, stay at Vanderbilt with and, and continue in relationships that I already had with the medical center and with the biomedical engineering department. I thought that, you know, staying would allow me to um, really, uh, you know, not only take advantage of the master's degree program and um, uh, work on that interest in tissue engineering, but it also would get let me, you know, really quickly shore up the rest of that medical school application since I wouldn't be in a new you know, location, new institution and have to figure those things out and, and meet different people. And so um, to me, it was a bit of a strategic uh, decision, but also gave me an opportunity to, you know, again, stick around at Vanderbilt and, and you know, enjoy an institution that I loved. And so that was kind of the thought process with that. So over that, over those two years, I completed the engineering program. I did research in tissue engineering. I also shadowed a, uh, uh, otolaryngologist in uh, the medical center. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I took the MCAT, uh, you know, I did all of those things as well. Um, and it was all, it, it was funded, you know, I mean, I was a research sure, assistant sure. and a teaching assistant. I taught classes. And so, um, you know, so I was able to do it without going into, uh, you know, educational debt. I know that you had a great experience at Vanderbilt. Now, um, if you sort of were to redo your Vanderbilt years, your undergraduate years, um, anything you'd do differently? Yeah, you know, I think that um, I would, so I mentioned study abroad briefly. Yeah. Um, I really, I love traveling. I mean, and that's something that's been the hardest uh, to do, um, uh, you know, give, since the pandemic yeah. and, um, and, and, and I developed that that appreciation for travel later, you know, after I'd left Vanderbilt. And, you know, I wasn't um, I wasn't I did not prioritize um, doing a study abroad at the time. And, uh, and and that's one of the things I think I would have done. You know, like I said, it's difficult in engineering because certain classes are sure, only sure. taught in certain semesters. So, you know, you have to go in a sequence. Um, but there were opportunities in Australia and the United Kingdom and Ireland and, you know, some of these places. And I think that traveling as a young adult, you know, in your you know early twenties is something that everybody should do. I think uh, no matter what your major is, I think, you know, understanding how people live in a place that's different from where you are is something that, you know, I would encourage to anybody who is um, applying to college or, uh, or who even decides not to go to college. I think understanding that perspective is important. So, I think that is the only, um, if you want to call it a regret that I have, because I think that's something that's much easier to do as a university student. Agreed. Agreed. Let's sort of um, see what, uh, what kind of advice you might have for the students of today as they think about college. What are some of the big picture things you think they should take into account? Yeah, so I think that, you know, students, high school students today who are thinking about, you know, what comes next, I think, um, you know, I think we live in a, a time where, you know, access to knowledge and access to, you know, 
information is significantly more than, you know, 20 years ago when I was going to college. And so I think that it allows students, you know, the opportunity to really do some fact finding and um, really try to understand what it is that they want. And so I think all of the information is out there, you know, like things like this podcast, university websites, social media, people can learn a lot about, you know, what's out there and what they can, um, you know, what they can have available to them. But I think it's important to also ask students to be honest with themselves and, and not necessarily take the instruction of, you know, you know, parents or peers or looking what other people have done. People need to understand what it is that makes, um, that motivates them and what they really want to do in life. And, and also be open to the, um, the chance that those desires and plans may change over time and as you learn more. And so, you know, I think, I think I would, I would ask students to, you know, think about those things. And then if they, once they pick a university or pick a college or pick a job or whatever it is that comes after high school, um, I would invite everybody to stay open-minded and, uh, you know, really live in the moment and, um, you know, understand the effects of what they're doing and uh, understand, you know, things about other people. I mean, these were all values that actually Vanderbilt instilled in me mm -hmm. as a college student. Um, you know, again, I, I mentioned it was a very global place. It was a very inclusive place. Um, and I think that, you know, the way I live my life today and the way I work today, um, you know, I credit Vanderbilt with making me, you know, think about, you know, think about others, but also being honest with myself about, you know, what it is that I want to achieve in, in, in life. And so I guess that's, it's, it's, it's a vague concept. And I think it's something that's really difficult to, you know, portray to someone who's, you know, 17, 18, 19, who's just beginning their life. But, you know, I think, um, you know, everybody creates their own path. There's no wrong path. There's no wrong university. And, you know, even though Vanderbilt was, an amazing place. And it was a great place for me. And I'm so thankful I got to go there. If I didn't get into Vanderbilt and I'd, you know, gone somewhere else, I think, you know, you can make your own opportunities and um, you can, you can make things work for you. Um, so I think everybody has that power and it's important to remember that. No, that's well said. And I think that is indeed the case. There are lots of choices, lots of options. And, uh, you know, each one has a unique story to build. Sanjeet, we are sort of nearing the end of this podcast. I would like to give you a chance to talk about something that we haven't talked about or share some memories or some traditions, Vanderbilt traditions, or expand on something that we may have already touched upon. Yeah, I mean, you know, I my memories are very fond of Vanderbilt. And I think, um, you know, the mind has a tendency to... to you know, forget the tough things. Right. I mean, you know, certainly Vanderbilt was also a, it's a, it was a tough place to go to school. Classes were difficult. And, you know, like I said, I was prepared, but you know, it was a lot of work. Um, and it's, you know, sometimes you, uh, you forget about those things and you remember the good memories, like, you know, my friends, um, you know, our, our, our weekends off from school. Um, I certainly, you know, remember, you know, some of those class projects that we were up late working on, but, you know, also some of the fun things. I remember it doesn't snow very much in, you know, in Tennessee mm -hmm. and I'm in Memphis now, which is not that far from Nashville, but uh, I remember the one day my sophomore year where it snowed on campus and, you know, the entire campus was, was coated in, uh, you know, a couple inches of snow and uh, a massive, uh, 
you know, campus-wide snowball fights broke <laughs> out. And, uh, um, and, and it was just one of those moments that you thought of, you know, okay, we're, we're just all one community. It was really fun. Um, you know, you were throwing snowballs at people. You had no idea who they were, <laughs> you know, or, or where they came from or anything like that. It was like something out of a movie. And, uh, you know, I just, you tend to glamorize some of these, these memories, but, uh, but yeah, no, I, I think we've covered a lot of ground. I think, um, you know, it's a fantastic place. It was then, and I think it has become even more so now. Um, you know, again, they've done some incredible things on campus, uh, um, building a residential college system. Again, they continue to bring in, you know, speakers and thinkers for, for students. They've improved um, diversity and where students come from. It's really no longer that local kind of regional university. It's now a, you know, a global university. Um, I think in last year's class, there were 665 international students um, at this school. And, you know, we have, you know, in the, within the United States, there's people coming from Alaska and Hawaii and Michigan and Maine and all sorts corners of the country and of the globe. So, um, you know, I think Vanderbilt has become, you know, just an even better place from when I lived there. No, this is this has been great, Sanjeet. Um, first of all, I have to thank you for being so generous with your time and your descriptions, the details, the vividness, uh, and and the passion and energy that you sort of bring to it. So, thank you so much. And um, I know you're a, you're really busy, and I'm really glad we got a chance to put this together. So, for now, take care, be safe. I'm sure we'll talk more. But thank you again. Great. Thanks so much for having me. Good luck to everyone listening. Um, you're going to, everyone is going to do great no matter what they do. Thanks so much. Hi again. Hope you enjoyed our podcast with Sanjeet Rangarajan about Vanderbilt. Sanjeet's undergraduate experience is an upbeat story about a young man who enjoyed academics, extracurricular initiatives, and nurtured friendships. He found his niche broadly in engineering and specifically biomedical engineering. His deep dive into tissue engineering demonstrated his interest and proficiency in this area. He took the initiative to help start Model UN at Vanderbilt. I hope Sanjeet's story motivates you to take a deeper look at Vanderbilt. For your questions or comments on this podcast, please email podcast at almamatters.io. Thank you all so much for listening to our podcast today. Transcripts for this podcast and previous podcasts are on almamatters.io forward slash podcasts. To stay connected with us, Subscribe to Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, or Spotify, or visit anchor.fm forward slash Alma Matters to check us out. Till we meet again, take care and be safe. Thank you. College Matters. Alma Matters. Matters.